Hey there, is today your first time here? Or maybe your first time in a while? If so, maybe you're wondering exactly who we are and what this church is all about. Well, we'd like you to know that we're a group of ordinary people who are on an amazing journey together following Christ. Our guide is the Bible because it's the divinely inspired Word of God and it will never take us in the wrong direction. Along the way, we hope you'll see that we are welcoming and spiritually passionate and that getting to know you is a big deal to us. We know that the road is rough sometimes, but we'll work really hard to bring you practical and relevant messages to equip and encourage you through life's ups and downs. We want you to know that we care about this community and we believe that it's our job to make it a better place. So no matter who you are or where you've been, we're glad you're here with us today. And we hope that you'll join us on our journey, following Christ and living out His plan for us. So welcome to church and happy Easter. Well, good morning. good morning. Man, it's quite the crowd in here this morning. You guys look great, though. Um, I just want to say a big welcome to everyone. And as Pastor Tony was pointing out, I'm not usually in a suit. Many of us are in ties and suits that, you know, I promise shrink every time uh, we go to put them back on. I don't know if anybody else has that problem. Um, maybe it was the donuts out front this morning, but it is good to be with you. It's good to be with you on uh, this Easter. And as we keep saying, he is risen. He's risen. He risen indeed. We have to say it about 20 times to kind of get it to sink in, don't we? But <clears throat> it is good to have all of you here this morning and to, to just that you're taking this time to be with us and, and spend some time here this Easter together. I do want to welcome everybody watching online as well. Um, it, is, it is truly good to gather today, and it is truly a, a Resurrection Sunday, as we like to call it. Um, only a few days ago, we were uh, remembering Good Friday, and we had a service here, and it was a much different feel. It was a very somber feel, but here today, um, it is celebration. It is time to celebrate, because we do serve a risen King and a risen Lord. Uh, it, is, it is really uh, something special, I think, when, when God's people gather together. And, and today, in such a large group as, the, as this, and as we've gathered today, I realize that uh, many of us here, maybe this may be home for you. Uh, some of you, maybe mom or dad or grandma, uh, held this afternoon's lunch as ransom. So you would come here this morning, and you're sitting through this. And so I do recognize that, too. And so my prayer today, though, is that everything that is said and shared in this service today um, has purpose and has meaning. That's, that's the whole reason we're here, the whole reason we gather, is that uh, this message today, this service today, would truly be life-changing. So if you come here and you're looking, I believe that you will find something before you leave this morning. Uh, this morning, we already had one service at 6 o'clock this morning. Um, that's really early, uh, if you're not aware of that. And I actually, I was trying to sleep, but then you know how you get afraid you're going to miss your alarm? And then you just can't sleep, like, ever? And so it was like, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock. I keep looking at the clock. I'm not sleeping. <clears throat> and so I think I got here, like, at 4.30 or something this morning. Ridiculous. But it was really dark outside, right? It was very dark. Anybody up at 4 this morning? Raise your hands high. I just want to see, make sure. Okay. All right. So it's good to see you, and we all have kind of that same look on our face, like we're already for a nap, I think. But, uh, but being up that early, and just it's amazing how dark it is. And, you know, I was going around campus and kind of flipping some lights on and things like that. And as we started the service at 6 o'clock, um, within, you know, minutes, you know, maybe about a half hour or so, you know, suddenly, you know, you start to see a little bit of light, don't you? 
as the sun begins to rise uh, on the horizon. And, you know, it's just something. And by the end of the service, you know, the, the sunshine, we had a beautiful sunrise this morning. The sun's shining in the windows. And, you know, let me ask you a question. Was the sun ever gone? Does the sun ever turn off? Is there like a switch that goes off at night? It's always shining, isn't it? It's just a matter of how, where we're positioned and if we're in a place to be able to see it on this planet. And so, you know, today, again, as we look at Resurrection Sunday, as we look at Easter, you know, we remember that everything in this past week, right? You know, with Jesus, just a week ago, we were talking about Palm Sunday. And as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem uh, for the final time, uh, making his triumphant entry, you know, there were many people, there were many people who were celebrating and cheering. And, you know, it was very public. And then you fast forward to Friday and his death. And, of course, there was also many people there. There were many people even in the crowd prior to that. They were yelling, crucify him. And so it was a very public event that took place with his death. And then we come to this, this, this point today, right? Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. And the reality is, is there, was, there were no witnesses that anyone knows of for his actual resurrection, right? When, when the women arrived that morning, they, they just simply found an empty tomb, right? And so it was a very different scene, a very different situation, very different scenario. And, you know, there was just a ton of things happening when we look back at the cross and his death. Again, you saw earthquakes and curtains being torn in the temple, and even darkness covered the earth. But the resurrection was done quietly, very, you know, kind of unseen, if you will, when it happened. That Easter morning, it began, if remember, you know, when we read scripture, think about where the disciples were before the resurrection, just before the resurrection, within hours that morning. Much like this morning when we got up, if you were up in the darkness or if you, you understand that concept, you know, they were in a very difficult place, weren't they? They were in a place, a state of confusion. They were in a state of wondering what had taken place. Where, where did this go wrong? What happened with Jesus as they witnessed him die? And there was just so much uncertainty in that moment. And they were sitting there wondering, not realizing that hope was just of a little bit in front of them. And for some of us here today, maybe you've come in here today with, with a similar feeling this Easter morning. Perhaps those things in, have crept in and, and have now taken residence in your life. Maybe you have come in and there are some questions, there's some confusion, there are concerns in your life. Uh, there are plenty, I think, today to go around. I don't know each of you in this room, but again, in a crowd this size, you don't need many to understand that we come in with things when we enter into a service like this today. And so my hope and my prayer today is this message is for you. Because while we may not see God working at all times in the darkness, it doesn't mean that he is not at work behind what we perceive with our eyes. Sometimes, if we have the eyes to see it, Hope is hidden in our midst. And for some of us this morning, as we sang those songs, as we lift our voices and praise to God, you know, there's, there's something that comes from doing that, isn't there? There's something that comes within us that's just, wow, as we worship God, we're recognizing how there's hope for my situation. There's hope for maybe this, this thing that I'm dealing with today or the way that I came in today. There's hope just on the horizon. Lord, give me eyes to see it. And so today I want to talk about, and we're going to spend some time uh, looking at the scripture in the Gospel of Luke, 
And we're going to look at two disciples, and they were on a road. They were on a journey that, that morning. They were, they were on a journey, and they were very, uh, very sad, very confused, very unsure. And if you've ever heard of the road to Emmaus, they were traveling this road to this place called Emmaus together. And they were, they were in a state, really, just like we've been talking about. And they were unaware, though, that they were just a breath away from hope, bursting onto that scene. And so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. If you don't, uh, the scriptures will be up on the screen. And we're going to begin in verse 13 this morning. <clears throat> and I want you, again, to remember, as we read this scripture, remember that place, that feeling, where they might have been that morning. Again, just having watched Jesus been crucified and, and all those uncertainties. And as we step into this scene, keep that in mind. And so we pick it up in verse 13. And it says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleophas, answered, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for this Resurrection Sunday that we have reason to gather to celebrate, to sing with joy. Lord, we pray just as we take uh, these next few moments to look at your word, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would speak to us in a way that it would change us, Lord, uh, through your word. God, we thank you for every person here in this place. We thank you for all those that are watching online this morning. And again, God, we thank you that you, the most important person of, of all, are present. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a, a TV show um, that's one of my favorites called Undercover Boss. Has anybody seen that? Anybody been on that before? Okay, um, just checking. Um, but you know, it's it's a really just such an amazing idea. If you're not familiar with it, it's it's where you know these CEOs or these owners of companies they'll they'll dress up and just kind of as a normal employee, and they'll get down and they'll they'll scrub wash dishes if it's a restaurant or work alongside their employees. And you know, it's always fascinating to me uh, just just to watch. And I just I just so desperately wish that I, I could have that opportunity someday, right? It's, it's hard here. There's only a few employees, so I can't really dress up, you know, and do that. But 
Um, but it's just really neat, right, to watch that. And you're just waiting for that moment, right, for the scene at the end of, of the whole show and where the, uh, the, the boss is back in his big office with his desk and they're going to see the big guy. And they walk in and then you see it kind of sink in, right, slowly. Like, oh, my goodness. And they're, what are they doing? They're going through their mind and thinking about all the things that were said, right, all the things they said, maybe about the boss, right, and it's really something, and it's, it's, a, it's a great show. It's funny. I, I love watching it. And, you know, I, I really see this as I, as I read through this scripture here in this passage. As we see Jesus come alongside these disciples, it's really that same kind of setting, isn't it? He comes alongside, and he's walking with them. And, again, I just, I just feel like Jesus has a sense of humor here. You know, because he comes alongside, and he's like, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they tell him, you know, about this Jesus guy or what's going on. And he's like, you know, what, what things? What are you talking about? Right? I mean, it's Jesus asking them, like, what is it? And he's just sitting there and he's just kind of listening, right? He's just kind of like, okay, okay. And it's interesting, you know, this, where it talks about them, where they're talking and discussing in the Greek, that actually means conversing and disputing. <laughs> and so, you know, with most of us, when we go into difficult seasons and we're going through hard times, how many know that sometimes we can be really frustrated and sometimes we end up in arguments about things with those that we care about or those that are with us over, over you know, minor details, if you will, sometimes, sometimes major ones, but we, it sometimes spills out. And so I, I think with these disciples, they're, they're getting into this, this sort of heated discussion because they're, they're wondering about things. They're, they're questioning things. There is frustration. And so we see this, and then Jesus starts walking alongside of them and engages them in their conversation. And it, and it says, you know, that they literally... When, the, when the, the subject was brought up of what was going on, it says that they stood still and were sad, right? They, were, they stood still and were sad. So we see here in this moment, there's, there's a weightiness. There's a, a heaviness that they're kind of carrying to the point that when the question is asked, they literally stop and they're just sad. Have, has you, have you done that before? Like, it just, you, you're overwhelmed with grief or something and you literally maybe have to stop or just sit down and here, again, they're just, they're just sad. And why are they sad? I mean, obviously, Jesus, you know, had been crucified. But also, I think in some ways that they felt that Jesus had disappointed them. That Jesus had disappointed them. Why? Because it didn't go the way they thought it was going to go, did it? It's, in fact, you saw there that where they said, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And so now all of a sudden, because he had been crucified and, and laid in the tomb, now he wasn't the one anymore. He, he was suddenly disqualified. Even though he had shared this over and over with them, even though it was all laid out for them uh, long ago of how it was going to go, but yet they're in this moment and they're just like, it's, it's over. He, he's, he's dead. And then they hear this report how now the body's missing, right? He's gone. It's like, and the women are saying that he's, he's been, you know, raised from the, they just don't know what to do. And so they're kind of just overwhelmed. They're wondering, and they're disappointed even in Jesus. And so, you know, a question for us today is, what if, what if God turns out to be different than we've imagined? What if, what if things that, that we are dealing with go differently than we have imagined? 
That's a question for us to ponder today because, I mean, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, or even if you haven't, uh, oftentimes things do not go according to plan. No matter how well you think you've got it worked out, it doesn't take much for it to come derailed, does it? And so, again, you know, sometimes I believe that we come to this place where we're sort of like, God, what's, what's going on? Because this isn't the way we pictured it going. Remember that there were two prominent theories. We talked about this last week. There were two prominent theories about the Messiah. One, that he was going to come either as a, a military and political leader and would defeat the Romans and, and set all the, the Jewish people free. Or that he would come as the spiritual Messiah who would turn the hearts of the people back to God. And again, he was coming as the latter one. But as the crowds, you know, we saw last week on Palm Sunday, they were looking for that leader, weren't they? That one that was going to turn and go to the palace to take care of all the business there. But instead, he headed to the temple because he was coming as a spiritual Messiah. So let's continue on here a little further in, in this chapter and see how this goes here. So be, picking back up in verse 25, it says, And he said to them, and Jesus always has a way with words, doesn't he? Oh, foolish ones <laughs> and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Again, this, this wasn't foreign to them. They'd been told what was going to happen, but they weren't hearing, they weren't seeing was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I love this picture of Jesus. I love the way that, you know, he's not far away. He, he kind of enters into their pain. He enters into their questions, if you will. And even in this moment where they're hurting and they're, they're kind of struggling a bit, he begins to teach them in love, doesn't he? He begins to kind of, all right, well, let me walk you into what's happening here or what's, what's happened, what's taking place. And so he, again, begins to do this. And, you know, I can see Jesus there thinking to himself, like, you know, I would think that the resurrection would probably be enough. You know, the fact that the body was no longer there, that he'd been risen from the dead. But Jesus is like, okay, I'll go a step further. I'll walk with you on this journey. And let me unpack here a little bit, if you will, um, how this all works. And so he showed how every single page of a book that was written by more than 30 different authors across the span of 1,500 years was consistently telling one story that was all about him. The entire Old Testament was all about him. And while we don't know exactly what Jesus said, it doesn't give us that uh, on that day, we don't know, but maybe, maybe it sounded something like this. In Genesis, he, you know, the Messiah, was the word of God creating the heavens and the earth. In Exodus the Passover lamb whose blood was sprinkled on the doorposts of your heart so that you could escape the bonds of slavery. In Leviticus, he was a temple, the holy place where you met with God. In Numbers, he was your ever-present guide. In Deuteronomy, he was the prophet coming who, who was greater than Moses. In jo Joshua, he was the conquering warrior leading you into the promised land. In Judges, he was the broken savior rising up to rescue you. In Ruth, he was the kingsman, redeemer, 
In 1 and 2 Samuel, he was the pure-hearted shepherd king who rushed out to face your giants all alone. In 1 and 2 Kings, he was the righteous ruler. In 1 and 2 Chronicles, he was the restorer of the kingdom. In Ezra, the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the walls. In Esther, he was your advocate, risking his life to restore you to royalty. In Job, he was your living redeemer. In the Psalms, he was the one who heard your cries. In Proverbs, he was and is wisdom personified. In Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning that lets you escape the madness. In the Song of Solomon, he is the lover and your bridegroom. In Isaiah, he was the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. In Jeremiah, he was the spirit that writes God's laws on your hearts. In Lamentations, he was the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he was the river of life, bringing healing to the nations. In Daniel, the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he was the ever-faithful husband pursuing the unfaithful bride. In Joel, he was the restorer of all the locusts had eaten. In Amos, he was your burden bearer. In Obadiah, the judge of all the earth. In Jonah, the prophet cast out into the storm so that you could be brought in. In Micah, the everlasting ruler born to us in Bethlehem. In Nahum, the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, your reason to rejoice even when your fields were empty. In Zephaniah, he is the great reformer. In Haggai, the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, the pure son who every eye on earth will one day behold. And in Malachi, the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings, just to name a few. That is the Jesus of the Bible. That is the promised Messiah. That is the center of the entire, entirety of Scripture and how it all comes together. He was present, has been present, and will always be present in all things for all time. Jesus truly is found from cover to cover in the scriptures, in this Bible. The word of God is more than just a few words on a page. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul, spirit, and joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Jesus is the word of God. This is why every time we gather together, that is why we, Scripture is at the center of every single meeting that we have. Because the word of God speaks to our hearts. The word of God is what changes us. The word of God is what kind of lets everything uh, fall to the side and we're able to see clearly what God has for us. Remember that Jesus himself is the word. In John it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And as we will see shortly here, what Jesus shares with these two disciples on their journey has an impact and an effect that will truly open the eyes of these two individuals. Continue on in, in verse 28 of, of Luke 24 there. And so they drew near to the village, it says, to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. And again, Jesus is, he's just kind of seeing, like, where's, where's your hunger? Are you really searching? Are you looking? You know, he just kind of plays the part, like, well, I'm just going to keep walking unless you want me to share some more. <laughs> and of course, you know, they respond 
And they urged him strongly, it says, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And so Jesus, he went to stay with them. And he was at the table with them, and he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. <laughs> Jesus knows how to make an entrance, and he knows how to make an exit, doesn't he? <laughs> but he stayed there and, until they got it, didn't he? Didn't he? And he, he had a plan, and he had a, a purpose here. And they, they saw him, and they recognized him, and then he vanished. And then they said to each other, listen to this, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? I love that phrase, that their, their hearts burned within them. And let me be bold enough to say today that as, as we, we, we unpack and we read the scripture and the word of God, and again, it, it is at work, it is, it is God, and it is the spirit of God that is moving today. And so that thing that we're talking about here, some of you are experiencing even in this moment. There's a burning in your soul. There's something, maybe you don't even know what it is. Maybe you don't even know who Jesus is. But there's something about the word of God, about the scripture, that again, it cuts to the core of who we are. And when we hear it and when we experience it, we know that there's something there that we've been looking for. There's something there that is different. And there's, there's an answer there that we've been searching for our entire lives. And that answer is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And he is, he is, he is the word and we see here, too, as, as Jesus sits down at this table and he takes the bread, right? He takes the bread and he breaks it. This past Friday night, for those of you who came through and, and uh, experienced our Good Friday services in, in the church building, we, we shared communion together. And there was, there was bread there and it was being broken as part of that, that experience. But here's the thing. In that culture... When a guest would come into the home, it wasn't the guest that would break the bread. It would be the host was the one that broke the bread. And so catch what Jesus did here. He was invited by these two gentlemen into this home, sat down as their guest, but he was the one that broke the bread and now became the host. And in that moment is when their eyes opened up and they saw Jesus and who he was. It's the third time that Luke uses this language of blessed, broken, and given. It began first in the feeding of the 5,000. We see this same verbiage also, of course, in the Passover. And now in this moment, we see this blessed, broken, and given. Jesus today may be your guest only, but he desires to be the host of your life. He wants you to trust him with your life. As we think about Palm Sunday a week ago, again, Israel was expecting a king, but they got a sacrifice instead. And that was their mindset. It was, it was the ones that were, again, they, they, this king should not be laying down his life. It was the unrighteous that were punished. The unrighteous were crucified. The unrighteous were killed and murdered. But here's the righteous king being, laying himself down as a sacrifice. But here today, here in America, I think we oftentimes expect only a sacrifice or savior, but instead we get a king. 
And Jesus is both. Jesus has come as both sacrifice and as a king and in power. And what makes that possible is the resurrection. You see, he laid down his life as a sacrifice. And when it came back up, when he picked it back up in power and authority, he is now king and truly ruler over all. There is no question. He has defeated death, the greatest adversary. Jesus is king and the sacrifice. And so the disciples here in this picture, their eyes were opened by hearing the scripture and receiving the sacraments. Today, you're hearing the scripture. But it is only by the work of the Holy Spirit that some of you will truly get it. Some of you, it will resonate. Your hearts will begin to burn and you will begin to understand. And your spiritual eyes can be opened. If we make space for God, if we make space for Jesus today, he may, he may just reveal that hope for us is just on the horizon. Whatever we walked into this room with, that hope is, is a whisper away. And that picture of Jesus walking with these two along that road, you know, the, the, the great shepherd, right? The good shepherd. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. And he walks with you through the valleys. He is close today. He is just a breath away. And the greatest miracle that must first take place for us today is to recognize if Jesus is in our lives or if he is not. Is he sitting at the table, so to speak, of our lives? And have we invited him to be host and not just a guest? In 1 Peter 1.3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The living hope that we have. Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? Hope. If you are here today, if you're here watching online or in person, and you have professed Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, then hope is there and it is present. It doesn't mean that your situation's easy. It doesn't mean that your life is easy right now. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience difficult seasons and, and trials and tests and tribulations. But it does mean that you can do and, and you can do so and you can face all of those things with hope in your heart. And hope that, again, Jesus is with you and walking through every single step of those valleys. Once we recognize that Jesus is with us, then there is hope. So how then should we respond to that? And as we prepare to, to wrap up here and close today, let's see how these disciples responded to when they saw Jesus and the hope was revealed in front of their eyes. In Luke 24, verses 33 through 35, it says, And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. 
Now, mind you, again, in the scripture here, it says that it was seven miles. That's straight line distance. They, they say it was probably more like 20 miles to actually take you know, the roads that led back to Jerusalem. So put that into context for a bit. I don't know how far you walked here this morning, maybe from the parking lot to the building. Imagine having just journeyed 20 miles, <laughs> right? And then you have this moment with Jesus. How many of you would be up to running a 20-mile marathon to get back to Jerusalem? Why did they do that? Why, why, why did they sit there? And don't forget, in that day, it was not safe to travel at night. There were bandits. There were all these people that would, would rob you, even kill you. And these two went back to Jerusalem that night. Why? Because they had to tell someone. They had to tell someone. <laughs> We've seen the risen Savior. We've seen Jesus with our own eyes. He sat there and he, he ate with us. He walked with us. He talked with us. He taught us. And we've seen him and he's risen and we just have to tell somebody. So where are you today? Where are you today? Do you have Jesus in your life? And if so, do you have that, that burning, if you will? Do you, do you have to tell someone? Shouldn't we want to tell someone? Shouldn't we want to scream from the rooftops that, you know, Jesus is risen. He's not here. He's alive. King of kings, Lord of lords. And if we don't have Jesus this morning, we can recognize here very quickly that he's, he's ready. He wants to enter our lives. He wants to be a part, and he wants to come in first to save us, but also to be, to be Lord of our lives. It's like, will you trust me? Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Today, do you have hope? That is the question that I, I want us to just ponder is, as we spend time here today and as we prepare to wrap up our time and even throughout the day, where is your level of hope today? I think these past few years especially have just eroded and taken people down to kind of the bone, if you will, to the nitty gritty. And some of us, I think, feel hopeless. Some of us look at our children and, and like, what, what do they have to look forward to? <laughs> I've had conversations with some of my sons and to see it in their eyes and to see it in just kind of that concern, they're seeing what's going on. They're like, what kind of world are we gonna be given here to step into? And all we can do, church, and all we can do is, is again, to, to, to pray that, that we or that they, our children find Jesus because that, once they have him, then there's always hope in every situation, no matter what we face. And those of you who have walked with Jesus for a while, those of you who've had him unpack a little bit for you, know that he has shown up and been faithful every single time. Why? The fact that you're sitting here in this room today tells me that. Tells me that. And even if you don't know Jesus this morning and you're in this place, you're here for a reason this morning. And it's by God's grace that you're here. <laughs> you know why? Because we cannot control a single moment of our life. If I can say the... The curse word, if you will, COVID, I mean, it, it robbed lives from so many people, right? And so many people have watched people suffer through this time and be taken. So, you know, I lost a brother during this time, not long ago. 
So don't think that you have control. Because <laughs> as soon as you do, God is going to show you real quick that you don't. You need a Savior. And you need to walk with Jesus. So as we close our time here today, we're going to close with a song here momentarily. There's a lot more I want to share with you, but I'm going to be, be nice to you because I know those chairs are hard and plastic. But it's amazing what happens. And if you get time, I would encourage you to go, go home today and read the rest of that chapter of Luke, Luke 24. And when they get back, because it's really good. And it's a reminder of just how excited and what the significance of Jesus raising from the dead was. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for every single person in this place today, every single person watching online. God, for it's not by chance, but Lord, it is according to your will and your plan. And God, I pray just for anyone here in this place that maybe have entered this place hopeless or in a time of, of just challenge and, and confusion, I pray that you would uh, meet them, Lord, today in this place, that you have met them. God, we thank you that you are, are not a God um, like, like many in other religions where we go to a place that's this person is still buried there. Lord, our, our Savior, Jesus, is, is the tomb is empty. He is not there for he is risen. <laughs> he is risen. So Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be hopeful for. We have so much reason to worship you today. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the case this morning. God, we thank you for this time. And Lord, we thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.